We are in the middle of a sermon series. We started last week. It started to be a standalone, and I realized that there are points in this sermon that could become sermons in and of themselves. And so in, in lieu of keeping you for three hours, I decided to break it down a little bit. So um, last week we looked at the shiny new tool that God wants to give to us, except it's not shiny and it's not new. Uh, it was actually a tool used by Jesus given to us by Jesus, so it's a bit of a relic, and, uh, and that tool is the phrase, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's embedded in Hebrews 12 too, we're going to look a little deeper into that as we go through the sermon, but, but keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is what we just sang. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But before we get started, I would like to invite the Holy Spirit to join us and read our scripture reading for today. Let us pray. Loving God, we know again that you are here. We know that your spirit is here with us. We ask that you would soften our hearts, that we could receive the Holy Spirit and what you have to say to us today. May our lives be changed, having been in your presence. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the concept of keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the sermon series is titled what? Somebody tell me. Are we paying attention? In Pursuit of God. In pursuit of God, it's on the billboard. Um, I drew a little bit of a blank. In pursuit of God. So we're pursuing God. What does this, this tool look like? What does it mean to keep your eyes focused on Jesus when you can't see Jesus, right? What does it look like? And so we're going to dive deeper in the coming weeks of what it looks like. The instruction manual, if it were, of this tool of keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because, honestly, this world's in a mess. Amen. You know, I don't have to tell you, yeah, amen. I don't have to tell you anything. I want to spend a whole lot of time on that. Because, yes, it's, it's our job as Christians to be aware of what's going on in the world and in this country and in our lives, right? But it will destroy us if that is our focus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will destroy us if that is our focus. And so Jesus gave us this tool Seek me first. Seek my kingdom. Seek my righteousness. And everything will just be okay with your soul. It doesn't mean that everything's going to fall into place in the world, but you want to make sure everything's okay in your soul. Because here's the deal, and I meant to say this last week, and I must say it this week, and I'll say it every week. Where we stare, that's where we steer. The things we focus on is where we direct where our lives go. Where we stare, we steer. How many of you, how many of you all have driven a plow? Okay. We're city folk here. My grandfather lived on a ranch. Him and his, I don't know, 26 siblings. I don't, there's a lot. I'm exaggerating, but he lived on a ranch, and he would tell you, and, and back then, you know, they'd have a horse and a plow, and he would tell you, as long as you're looking forward, those lines are straight, 
But if you look back to see what you're doing, then you, where you stare, you steer. So, with that mantra in mind, as we continue to look in the instruction manual on how to use this tool that God has given to us, the first thing we found in the instruction manual, as I mentioned last week, was to pursue the things of the Spirit. Pursue the things of the Spirit. And actually, our reading today was a portion of what we read last week. Yes, I did that on purpose. It's just a, a segment of what we read last week because I think that's, it encapsulates one of, uh, how, uh, one of the pieces of this instruction manual, right? Um, pursue the things of the Spirit. And it's actually representative, reminiscent to me anyway, of the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. And we're not going to go into that. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time with that. We're going to talk about what, what we read today. But I have a pop question for you, a pop quiz question. You know, I didn't come to church to take a test. This, this is a good question. How many fruits of the Spirit are there? Nine? Anybody else have any other answers? Seven? Any other, quest any other answers? Nine. Lots of nines. Zero? Zero? <laughs> I'm watching you. But actually, he's a banana. <laughs> but actually, he's actually closer than anybody else. What if I were to tell you, this, is a, this was a trick question. What if I were to tell you that there's only one fruit of the Spirit? The nine in Galatians... And the sixth in today's reading are simply parts of the fruit of the Spirit. With multiple traits. One fruit, multiple traits. Fruit of the Spirit is a biblical term that sums up the visible attributes of a true Christian life. Those are characteristics of life in Christ. Translated... When the Holy Spirit controls our lives rather than the forces of the flesh, the Spirit will produce the many fruits that characterize all who truly walk in the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is a physical manifestation of a Christian's transformed life. The Holy Spirit wants to come within us and do the Spirit's work from the inside out. I've said this here before. This, the transformative power of the Holy Spirit happens from the inside out. It's a gift. When we pursue the things of the Spirit, we will manifest certain characteristics in our lives as the Spirit transforms us from the inside out. It's a natural thing. We don't have to wrestle with it. We don't have to struggle with it. We don't have to sit back and like, <clears throat> I'm a terrible person. Guess what? We're all sinners, including this pastor. But the Spirit transforms us so that when the world sees us, they don't see us, but they see the Jesus within us. You see where I'm going with this? 
let's unpack these pieces that are mentioned in our first Timothy reading for today. The first piece is righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Righteousness means right doing. Well, but didn't you just tell me, Pastor, that that's the work of the Spirit? Yes. It is the work of the Spirit. But I want us to be very clear. I want us to understand a very important principle. Even though we are redeemed through the cross, that Jesus' love, in, uh, Jesus love is, is good enough for all of us here in the entire world, right? It doesn't mean we can go out and live our lives, continue living our lives in sin, or live our lives... Uh, Let's not live our lives in hell. So let's live into those fruit, the fruit that, that the Spirit gives to us. So righteousness, righteousness means right doing. There, we do want to be good representatives of God, right? Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. Is that the thing that saves us? No. We were saved here at the cross. And God loves us. We will know what Christ expects of us when the Spirit dwells within us. We will want to do the things that are right because the Spirit convicts us. We will be empowered to do the things that are right through the indwelling of the Spirit. I guess the bottom line is be open to the Spirit, keep the heart soft. The second, thing, the, the second thing to pursue, according to today's scripture reading, is godliness. Godliness. We were all created in the image of God. We were all created in the image of God. Does that mean we look like God? No. God is spirit. What does that mean then? To be in the image of God. God is much larger than any of us can truly imagine. God refuses to go into our little boxes that we sometimes we like to put them in. When we pursue the Spirit, we will want what God wants. You see, as I, as I understand being created in God's image, I understand it as having the same heart as God. We were created to want the same things that God wants. That's how I see being created in God's image. Having the same desires, having the same wants, having the same... And guess what God wants? God wants us to love Him. God wants us to love each other just as we love ourselves. So when we invite the Spirit into our lives... We will once again be in God's image. Sin has taken that away, by the way, that image of God. But when we invite the Spirit in, we will once again want the things that God wants. Our desires will be in lockstep with God's desires. The third thing to pursue is faith. Faith. 
We talked about faith not long ago. There's a whole chapter committed, dedicated to faith found in Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, we find stories of men and women who lived a life of faith. Hebrews says, by faith, so-and-so did this amazing thing, and this was the result. By faith, I think it's important to say right here, right now, and you've heard me say this before, nothing good comes out of comfort zones. By faith, Abraham left a country that he, didn't, uh, he was very comfortable in for a country that God was like, I'm not going to tell you where you're going. You're just going to go. That's scary. That's stepping outside of a comfort zone. I never thought I'd be a preacher or a pastor of a church. But I stepped out of my comfort zone because that's what I felt God calling me to do. If the Bible was still being written today, if the faith chapter was still being written today, what would, what would it say about each of us? By faith, fill in the blank, stepped forward and served in the nursery. And countless lives were transformed and changed because of that service because of that impact, the impact of that faith. By faith, fill in the blank, stepped outside of their comfort zone and went to a homeless shelter and helped feed some people. By faith, fill in the blank, someone went and decided my skill set is running sound and video. I'm looking at these young people up there. They're waving at me. By faith, I could be sitting in the pew being comfortable, and then, you know, but here they are. They're doing that, so that way you on watching online can see. You people in this church can hear. By faith. And remember, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. I had to remind myself of that just the other day. Love. Love is the next thing to pursue. Love. Whole chapter dedicated to love, 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm here to tell you that we're not talking about this warm, fuzzy feelings that we have. We talked about this last week. We're not talking about warm, fuzzy feelings we're talking about the, the, the hard kind of love, the love your enemy kind of love, the turn your cheek kind of love. Love is messy. Love is rarely easy. That's the love that God calls us into. Love never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love never fails. The next thing to pursue is endurance. And now we're going to expand this whole this, this concept of seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, or look to Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's the rest of that. Of that. We'll look at it more in context now. In, in, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, the author is telling us to run the race, set aside anything that's going to hold us back. The author tells us that there is a cloud of witnesses looking at us right now. Jerry, there's a cloud of witnesses looking at us right now and cheering us on. Look to Jesus, the author and pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who took up the shame of the cross and now sits at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's the context. That should bring us some peace right there. To keep our eyes focused on Jesus and on God's kingdom, knowing that we have a cloud of witnesses cheering us on, being encouraged to set aside anything that encumbers us from being able to run that race, and knowing that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. The third thing to pursue is gentleness. Gentleness. Are we gentle with each other? Are we gentle, those of us who are married, are we gentle with our spouses? Those of us who have kids, are we gentle with our kids? Again, it's not easy to do. I heard that. Amen. How do we treat each other? You're on social media and you're hacking away, you know, typing away, and you're, oh, that person needs to be straightened out. You know what? Nobody ever said. You know that argument on social media? That completely made me decide to think things differently. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. The internet is not a substitute for real, honest-to-goodness relationship, a face-to-face, eye-to-eye. How can I be here for you? How can I be present for you in this moment? What do you need from me? How can I serve you? That's gentleness. As I come to the table, I think about the gentleness that Jesus demonstrated on this earth. The gentleness. The Last Supper. That's what this represents. The Last Supper. Jesus knew that one would betray him. He knew that one would deny him. He knew that everybody else except John was going to run away out of fear. And what did he do? He got on his hands and knees and he washed their feet. That's gentleness. How do you see God in your life when you mess up? Do you see a God who's ready to lower the hammer on you? Oh, you messed up. I'm going to punish you. Or do you see a gentle God who says, here, you fell. Let me pick you up. The ground is even 
at this cross. We are all saved through that. All of us are saved through the cross. It doesn't matter how much education you have or how little. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how little. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how little. (laughs) That didn't go off well. You know what I'm saying, right? What matters is that Jesus' love took him to the cross to die for my sins and our sins and the foot the, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all go to the same place. This table represents that love, that gentleness, the grace that God has for all of us. This table is open to all because we all need it. And so I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good.